Welcome to the Deserto Worlds Review Show. I am Yingsu Collins and I'm once again joined by LPL caster, Munchables and Misfits, current strategic coach and of course the former LEC jungler, Amazing. We're here to bring you some recap, review and analysis of what's been happening at Worlds. Well, what a weekend that was. We had two great semifinals and while EU's last hope, G2 fell to Damwon, Suning overcame LPL's first seed and managed to knock out top esports, who were one of the favorites going into this tournament. That's right, it's going to be a Damwon versus Suning finals. But before I get ahead of myself, let's talk about G2. I know you two both said that this G2 Damwon game was gonna be quite a difficult task for G2. And of course it ended up being a little bit too much for them. They couldn't quite sort of overcome a Damwon as an opponent, but now the games have happened. What did you guys make of that matchup in the end? Uh, unsurprising result. I got even the game that they won, I guess they could have easily lost because they're down one or two K because they threw like really badly at some point. So yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I don't think G2 like basically had the stamina or the ability to simply simply beat someone like Damwon at this point in time. Like maybe last year they could have had a chance, but this year it's it's a different beast. Like Damwon is just way too good. Mm. Yeah, Dam Damwon is terrifying, man. Like you watch that series and there were great moments for G2, but like across the board in all four yeah. of the games, it was like, e even in the game that G2 was winning, you were sat there like, maybe Damwon can actually just win this game. Like maybe Damwon can just come back. They're, they're starting to get that vibe where it's like, you just have, it's how I felt about uh, Gen G a little bit earlier on in the year at MSC. When you look at BDD and Ruler, these players that just like, I can believe that they can yeah. have the individual impact to come back. Except Damwon has five of those players. So it's like, it's really difficult to count them out in any series. And yeah. I mean, it, it was the expected result that Damwon would win that one. I've put my LEC hoodie on in commiseration <laughs> for G2, but uh, I think that was the way that that series had to go. What about that last yeah. game then, guys? The um, speed run, which we, we don't often see G2 being on the receiving end of that speed run. Um, but I guess, what does that mean uh, for, they for... Just, uh, mental boom? They like going home, I guess, at that point. So yeah. it's like nothing mid. <laughs> I think um, I th it was, to me, it was like the Pike mid in finals last year. I think G2 yeah. were in the mindset of like, all right, this is done. Like, I don't think there's much we can do here. GG to be fair, the, pi the Pike was actually pulled out in game one, no? No, Zonda. yeah, but but I think that the Pike pick was like... A, okay, I know. Because they'd already, like the scrim results last year were like, 21 to 3 or something in favor of fpx or something along those lines i think that they were coming into that with like we got to do something crazy or it's just not going to happen kind of thing yeah mm -hmm. so that's what the pike pick represented to me anyway but uh yeah i think i think that the super fast loss was a combination of that one just being monsters and also g2 kind of being like all right well i think it's over mm -hmm. no it's usually usually what happens against korean teams like they don't beat you necessarily but just like uh, I mean, something in game one and two, they usually beat you like down through the stretch of the game. So it starts off, you're like, even as game one, you could potentially win second game mm -hmm. like slightly worse for you already. And third game, you're probably going to get stomped. G2 got like the gentleman sweep to a certain extent with a 3 1. So, uh, I mean, it was it was it was actually bound to bound to happen at some point that they're going to break apart and simply get crushed like 
uh, the way they did pick him for. Mm. Well, one of the things that I saw you tweet about amazing um, after the series is the potential of a double elim system um, for worlds. And I think a lot of other people have raised this as well. And you're definitely not alone in this. In fact, G2's Perks uh, said this when he was asked after the series, what EU needs to be able to lift a world's trophy. The Europe needs loser bracket. Or at least G2 needs it. We kind of like... Twice we won the split this year. We lost in the semifinals and then we won through loser bracket. So I'm pretty confident that if we had loser bracket right now, we would have made it back to the finals and would have won through loser bracket. I need, he sounds pretty troll, but I do think there's just a bit of actual honesty in there. I do think that Perks believes that they would have had a uh, like obviously a better chance of uh, at the finals is obviously clear you know because they've uh, lost in the semis but <laughs> they would have had a good shot to actually at the finals or in the finals because of the fact that this loser bracket run would have basically fortified and give them given them a lot more practice to begin with so i think that in itself is really valuable for a team like g2 that has been improving over the course of words they were kind of met like throughout the playoffs and they kind of turned it up in the finals against Fnatic, 3-0 them after losing to them 3-2 then again at words like they went four two in the group stage and suddenly beat like the, the first seed of another group so that in itself is like something that speaks to their improvement mindset and their improvement ability so i do think that if they had loser bracket they would have obviously made it further but they would have also had a good shot at making it to the fights and, and honestly uh winning the finals to a certain extent mm. yeah it, it's definitely an interesting conversation because when you think about how a loser bracket would pan out at that point would they be able to beat teams like top esports? Would they be able to beat teams like Sooning if the bracket went differently? There's a there's a whole can of worms there that we could dig into. And, I think one of the yeah. one of the really interesting things already is that when you think about Perks, he has a reputation of one two in a series being his comfort zone. So the loser bracket is just like that times ten, right? It's like you're already on the back foot. So I guess he just likes to be at a deficit. Maybe that's just. <laughs> Maybe that's just the way he works as a player. I don't know. Likes the pressure, perhaps. Mm, but I feel like there might be a genuine conversation that needs to be had because if you take a look at all of the other yeah. huge esports titles in the world, um, they have that double limb. And even the LEC now, we have that. So I feel like if all of these big international teams are getting together for this event with a lot on the line, um, sometimes I feel like a bit of a shame that we only watch them play one best of five and they're gone and we don't see them yeah. again for a year. And if they don't make it for the next year, then we don't see him again for two three years and so on um so i mean if it was up to you two would you like worlds to change its format and become a, a double elimination format yeah and we also need to increase the amount of teams that may actually make it to worlds i do think that it like it would actually look a lot better to me at least if there was less emphasis on the group stage because the group stages right now are really really important right like you have two teams making it out of every, every group and the groups can be really stacked. So I do think inviting more teams and having like a 32-team uh, basically group stage where like obviously you have like groups of, of eight then instead of four or whatever it is, like or different types of groups. And then basically having 16 teams in the knockout stage, it will make the whole thing a lot more interesting. And then having double elimination, make words a really long tournament because it's the only tournament we get basically besides MSI that, uh, I mean, Kind of, kind of dropped off this year because of certain yeah. reasons. This year is um, definitely the only one we get. <laughs> yeah, so like I would have liked to see. I, I mean, I think double elimination simply because of the best of fights we don't get to see is a really good argument. You don't get to see like, for mm. example, G two. They could have played 
at uh, top esports now, for example, for place in the finance. Like that would have been really, really interesting. Or even in the in the in the, in the top eight, as we as we saw, there were matchups that Fnatic could have potentially beaten any other team besides top esports at the time that they were at. You know, because they were really strong. So. Um, there are more arguments in favor at this point for a double elimination than there are against it. So I'll uh, I'll play devil's advocate here because I actually personally would love to see double elimination. Uh, I I think it's very clear that it's the superior t- tournament format. I'd also love to see like GSL groups, for example. But one of the big reasons that I think that uh, I don't know if it's likely to happen is is twofold. Number one. Um, I think a big goal of Riot right now is to pull in non-endemic viewers, right? Sports viewers that like American football, that like uh, soccer, football, um, that like, you know, all of these classic sports. Double elimination is really not a thing in these sports. Like double elimination is a foreign concept to a lot of classic sports fans. So immediately you're adding like a, a entry barrier there, which... I'm, I'm saying that because I've argued with producers at, at previous companies I worked at trying to get us to run better tournament formats. Things like Swiss, for example. Mm. People hate Swiss. I love Swiss. Swiss is like, in my opinion, one of the most unarguably best tournament formats. But it's difficult to explain to people at home, and that's what makes it difficult to implement. Um, and I think the other argument is that the one thing that single elimination achieves is that the very best team wins. Right. If you are the team that can be every opponent, then you win. The single elimination tournament format is designed to pick one winner, not to rank all teams in order of how good they are. It's to pick the one winner. And but does I, it really give the be- the best team like actually like the visibility that it, that they they uh, they actually uh, achieve? Because I don't think that uh, the best team necessarily wins words in every case. So I think historically, obviously, because of like basically best of five single elimination, we've had like certain teams, for example, in, in Moscow, Moscow five and season two, if we remember correctly, like they lost to TPA. That's like huge, like mm-hmm. way back, way back. CRGU at the same time lost uh, to Azubu Frost. And if we mixed, if we changed it two up and they, they would have beaten one another's matchup for sure, for example, I, I'd say. And that was like nine years ago. And we've had this issue for so long that I don't think that the best team in the world actually necessarily wins words every single time. And there's certain cases in which case like a, a double elimination bracket actually makes sure that the best team in the world wins because they will be able to have multiple chances at actually beating certain opponents, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, so I I do think maybe maybe it's just it, the, it shows the best form of a team or the best mental capacity. That's what I would say. I, I definitely agree with the I, I agree with you there to be honest, but like I'm just talking from a broad perspective of what what the goal of the tournament is and i would say that like eventually these teams have to face in the final right if you are the two best teams if you're on the same side of the bracket you're facing maybe the quarters if you're on the opposite side of the bracket you're facing the finals eventually these two teams will have to face off so the better team will win that's the theory behind single limb and so that's the goal of running that it just happens at some point yeah i i I just think there are certain cases in which case, like a team, I mean, I guess the winner is being picked, you're right, to, to that extent. I do, however, think that it's it's necessary to give other teams also credit where it's due. And I don't think that single elimination does it at all, where a lot of teams basically get faced up in a way that they like they didn't expect. You know, so For example, uh, even this year, I guess the TS Fnatic, Fnatic matchup, if Fnatic uh, faced any other team that could have probably won like one of the first seats, you know, besides maybe Dan won. 
but that in itself was kind of excluded from the fact that they just made second suddenly had to face like yes out of all but the again they eventually have to face down one right yeah but so that's like, that's it's the argument of all the way it's down the road, argument yeah. of if the is the tournament ranking teams in order of how good they are or is it picking the overall winner and i think that I don't think Fnatic beats down one in the final, even if they make it to the final. No, I so mean, they, I don't think single yeah. elimination mm. is but the they issue. Could have potentially there. beaten like two, like two of the other first seats, and that in itself is already like weird that we think about this, and probably all the second seats too. Mm. Um, besides maybe Suning at this point. Sure. I mean, Suning was actually first seed, so. I, so yeah. I, I agree that in terms of getting a power ranking at the end of things, double elimination is better, but single elimination wouldn't have affected, in this case, in my opinion who actually wins the overall tournament. Mm. But I think from a fan's perspective, especially if you, um, you 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 like these international tournaments, there's nothing better than seeing your team play a variety of teams. So, you know, like I would love to see, I have seen G2 uh, play, um, you know, top esports. And then yeah. like in theory, if they make it through that and then G2 play Sooning, that'd be great. But we're kind of limited to how many games we get. Um, yeah, I think the three of us are in agreement that the double limb is better, but perhaps um, Riot have other plans and there's sort of reasons as to why they're not doing that. Um, yeah, I think it's like an argument of best tournament format versus best television because single elimination brings drama and there's no arguments about that. And I think yeah. that's the kind of angle where Riot comes from. Mm. Well, uh, at least one team that doesn't have to really worry about that format is Dan One because they are through to the finals and they're the first LCK team to do so in about three years. Um, well, Perks talked about how different this team is compared to the Dan One he faced last year and why he thinks that they managed to knock out G2 this time around. This year, the meta favors them much more than it did last year. I think... Uh... This year, like they basically, I think the Asian teams in general, like they've been playing ever since Summer Split started, basically, like the jungle changes came in, they've been playing this like farm junglers and like basically junglers are like power farm and teams play on them and they play on the objectives more than other teams, uh, at least Western teams. So I think they were just very, very good at what they were doing um, basically for a few months already, whereas V, we did not start playing the basic until Brawl's Bootcamp, which is like already like we are basically three months behind on other teams. So uh, us catching up to the meta that everyone else is playing and it turns out to be the Brawl's meta after all is uh, what kind of gave them the edge over us. I feel like uh, we didn't we're not able then to just like catch up to that one. I guess maybe if we like broke the meta or if we had practiced this style earlier we would have been good enough to beat them today um but that's just like things to dream about i guess and think about it's kind of useless to think about it right now though so they were just much better prepared the last few months i think it's a it's a rough perspective to come from uh i definitely can see where he's coming from though i think this is true of a lot of teams it's something we talked about earlier on in the tournament with fanatic being particularly good in the meta is something a lot of team, a lot of players and people were saying that the JDG were expected to be exceptionally good because it felt like they were, would be exceptional in the meta. I think the only team really that seemed to be defying this meta and like ignoring that fact was Top Esports, but obviously they have now fallen. So it does feel like the two teams that across this tournament have played around their junglers the best in Damwon and Suning have made it to the finals. I can't help but agree a little bit with Perks that like this is not a style that G2 has ever played before, really. Like Yankos has never been in this role and the team hasn't played around that. And 
when you have to fundamentally change everything about the way your team plays, like that's a huge task. That is a monumental task for them to overcome. Yeah, it's definitely not something that you can prepare for throughout the year, though. That's the only issue. And I yeah. guess that's why, like, G2 had to kind of focus on what they had to do in order to win domestically. So, and I think farm heavy style junglers, like, even if they looked at the Asian teams, would have not made them like a stronger team throughout that period because they would have probably lost to Fnatic in that finals then, and they would have probably lost to Fnatic overall, and same to Rogue, because these teams are better, like, just generally better at playing on their jungler independently of their uh, skill skill levels. So I, I, I know it's such a hard thing to do to just, like, look at Asian teams and be like, okay, they do this, we do that. Do we change to their side? Do we think mm-hmm. we're stronger than them? Because you have no regional comparison. You have no ability to actually, like, cross-play between the two regions. So, um it's it's so hard so i guess they had to work with what they got and making that kind of improvement within that short of a period and actually being able to play around your jungler does speak to the um, variety and play and their uh, ability to actually adapt in the moment and i think that's more that like, speaks more about g2 than it speaks about um i mean just the Asian teams being that dominant yeah mm. and i think there's an extra factor there as well where like even if you see the asian teams playing this certain style and and it looks strong over there. It's all in the context of every team playing a similar style, right? So it's like, sure, they're drafting this composition that has a carry jungler that the team is playing around this carry jungler, but they're against another team that's doing the same thing. Like when you're in a region that's playing for lane dominance and you're trying to play this style and you're not that good at this style yet, like that's going to be incredibly difficult, even if you start playing that style earlier to mm. catch up to the Asian teams when they're like essentially power learning that style. They're essentially creating that style, right? So. Uh, I, I think even if you try and adopt that, like you don't even know that that's necessarily going to be the style that's dominant at Worlds during the yeah. domestic season anyway. So it's like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to try and adopt it early. And then it's yeah. like, okay, when we get to Worlds, oh, this is the strongest style. Okay, well, I guess we've got two weeks to figure <laughs> it all out. That <laughs> the question is also, is it actually the strongest style? You know, to a certain extent, it could be. Um, but it could actually be because of the region, like just crossplay that they have between the LPN mm-hmm. and SDK to a certain extent due to the solo queue um, accessibility on both regions that they can both play in the Korean region. So yeah. um, it could be that it's, it is a strong side. It could also just be that the teams are individually just stronger this year. Thus, this style works better. You know, mm-hmm. so it's so many questions. So meta is kind of enforced by mostly the good team, well, best teams in the world playing the way that they want to and thus enforcing it on everyone everyone else. There's a really, really good quote from Casa where someone asked him in an interview, it might have been uh, you asking him, Yinsu, um, where Casa basically says, look, the winners choose the matter. Um, and like when you look at the series with top esports and suiting, like that wasn't really the carry jungle matter, let's be honest. SOFM was not really playing carry jungle. He played Java, for God's sake. So... <laughs> Like, I feel like you you hit the nail on the head there, amazing. Mm, actually, I was going to follow that up with, you know, a lot of the talks have been, um, you know, because the meta favored these teams so much, obviously they're going to do better. But are we maybe discrediting to an extent of how good these damn one players just are, like individually, um, and how sort of little mistakes that they do? And also when you make a mistake, how hard they punish you? Um, so, yeah, I mean... Yeah. We do kind of, we do kind of um, like un- undervalue it. I do think that they're individually that dominant, and especially like if we think about it, even in a in a non carry jungle meta, if Kenyan Lejimi like has a year to prepare for it, they would be able to dominate that side too. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't actually matter that Lejimi 
in terms of individual strength, they're not quite Samsung White, they're not quite SKT from back in the past, but they're getting pretty, pretty close in terms of how dominant they are uh, against their opponents. So, um, they're, I mean, they're actually incredible. And speaking, mm-hmm. like, speaking for our perks too, and by comparison, like, this guy, Lejimi, had to had to adapt again to the ADK role and then suddenly play against people that like are that individual dominant couldn't keep up and that's the first time I guess in his life to a certain extent that he wasn't able to keep up if we think about it. And same for the rest of his team. Like in G2 has been they were dominant last year. They were individually better than most actually any other team besides maybe uh I guess their the the Chinese team, the Chinese top three teams like FPX and etc. So any other team they they could individually dominate damn one no chance whatsoever <laughs> yeah i think that's one of the most interesting things about this final to me honestly i tweeted this earlier today that actually across the board on both teams there is no individual player that's like the weak link you know there's a lot of world finals where it's like there are nine crewmates and one imposter <laughs> kind of thing i feel like this world finals like all 10 players are exceptional players and like have an argument to be made for best in the role. Some of them stronger arguments than others, obviously, but I think that Cerning is the best that the LPL has to offer right now, as they've proven in the bracket. And I think that easily the same can be said for Damwon. I do think on paper, Damwon across the board are stronger individual players, but I do think that Cerning have also proven everything wrong every step of the way. Bin especially is absolutely terrified <laughs> right now. So who knows how this one's going to go down. But yeah, I agree that Damwon individually are something else, but Mm, well, uh, it's a good time, a good thing that you brought up Sooning because they um, are a team who are obviously in the finals and would definitely like to talk about next. And I feel like at this point, you sort of have the title um, almost across <laughs> all social media, even on Weibo, I saw that, that they're oh, just that picture, your team. That picture. Uh, <laughs> that picture, please. They're literally your team. Um, so, of course, they beat the tournament favorites, um, at least going into Worlds Top Esports. Yeah. And the Top's coach believes that the fact Suning had a better synergy was one of the reasons that they were man- they managed to overcome Top. I think in terms of the difference, Suning is more confident into this matchup, and they are in very good form, and they are better in the synergies. They are a very competitive team. I think all the teams that are able to get on the world stage, they are all top players, but are super strong. And when you go higher, actually the team strengths are quite similar. But I think the very important stuff is about the team synergy, as well as mentality, and also the physical strengths of the players. I think the best thing that we can play on the world stage is, compared to the LPL, we can play with different teams and have different playstyles. And also, I think we need to improve our team synergy. All right, bit of a rambling answer there coming out from him. But uh, yeah, I definitely think uh, he's definitely on the right track talking about synergy. Like Sooning very clearly are a team, right? The way that they play, especially uh, SOFM and Sword Art working together is it's beautiful. I mean, there's the clips of them just stopping the recalls in bot lane where SOFM spends literally two minutes just like keeping on going and stopping Yu Yanjo and Jackalove's recalls. That was hilarious to me, but all three of them are in on it, right? It's like it's almost like they're just bullying them together. <laughs> it's uh, pretty hilarious to watch, but yeah, I think Top Esports. It's weird to me that they're saying that their their synergy isn't there and that the, the teamwork isn't there because that would have been something that earlier on in the year I would have said was exceptional for them. It definitely feels like they've hit some hard times coming into the latter half of Worlds and maybe 
the camaraderie has kind of faded out a little bit. Maybe the fact that Jackie loves the new superstar is kind of the novelty's worn off now. And it feels like maybe there's a bit of trouble in paradise behind the scenes because this isn't the same top esports that I remember seeing earlier on in the year. And it didn't ever feel like, like when you look at even just the quarterfinals, when they get a reverse sweep, right? Listening to the voice comms and stuff, it doesn't seem like they're lacking synergy. It doesn't seem like they're lacking camaraderie. So I have to wonder what, what happened with top esports coming into this series. I mean, you can fake a lot through communication. You can fake like being being a good being good That's teammates true. and everything. Else. So it's not that hard to kind of uh, like to kind of give the, the the vibe that you're still functioning. Uh, what I do think happened for them is simply that they that the meta shift. Like, I mean, the meta shift wasn't that huge for Asian teams, but it was still kind of huge for TS. That they weren't able to slow the game down anymore to the extent that they wanted to. We saw that against Fnatic when they already got steamrolled in the first two games to a certain extent. Um, but then in game three to five, they could kind of slow it down, you know, make more individual plays, just have it be on their tempo. And they basically took away all of the force elements from Fnatic in order to basically have, uh, like the, the enforcer side on themselves where they could basically force team fights where they wanted to. I don't think that same style was applicable towards Sooning, and Sooning was always in the driver's seat. So we're just faster in every single play. And I think that TS was really surprised by how fast the game actually became in the first five to ten minutes, especially. Uh, there were multiple deficits, especially level three. If you remember the Grace uh, Javan play, for example, like having a face for Javan being picked into you should already make you wonder what the hell is going on. And then, and then he has the AD carry flash in, in front of the Javan in order to protect him. More. <laughs> uh, at that point, you definitely don't know what the hell is going on anymore. So, um, yeah, I, it's it happens sometimes at words when you throughout the year practice a certain style and i think for ts may have been similar to g2's issue that they have had a similar style throughout the year they've adapted quite like somewhat somewhat but at some point this style was outdated and i do think that that plateau was kind of hit right now mm. and i do think that's why they lost the sooning that's why their synergy may not be as good because on this patch honestly i can envision them losing most of the scrims to damn one i can envision them uh having lost a lot of scrims to like faster paced teams in scrims. I mean, just in general. So, um, yeah, that may just be it. I don't think it's a synergetic issue. It's literally that they haven't found the right mindset or vibes that they were looking for for this particular mm. patch. Mm. But what does that say about Sooning, though? That their synergy and confidence is just sort of like on another level right now, it feels. I mean, winning cures everything. So that's <laughs> there. That's true. Um, yeah, it's uh, winning is like a big plaster that you could put over a lot of issues that a team could be having. But also, I think it does go back to what we were talking about before, where Sooning uh, have adapted incredibly well to this meta. And Sooning was already a team that was willing to play multiple styles. Like, they've already been flexible across the year. They were quite happy to change styles depending on the opponents they were going up against in the LPL. We saw that when they went against V5. Like, we were looking at Sooning as this like kind of skirmishing looking towards late game team fights, that kind of team. They go against V5, which is a super fast team in the LPL. And they just played super aggressive bot lanes. They were winning the games at like 25 minutes. So that already showed us earlier in the year that this is a team that's more than happy to change styles. So when we come into a world championship, that was all about teams adapting to this new style yeah. of play. Like Sooning was in a really, really good position to be able to adapt there. And I think that they've proven that they were one of the quickest teams to adapt. And I think when you're being so successful and also you've got the veterans in that of like sword art for example leading these rookies like bin and Huanfong, who are just having this unbelievable first year of their career like 
spirits in that team have got to be a, a, an unbelievable. Is, it, is that high crazy? Right now. About like, I mean, just first of all, Chinese teams that they like for some reason, one of the Chinese teams always comes. I mean, the last couple of years has come out. They look kind of weak in the group phase. Like IG went four and two. They lost to Fnatic twice. Then we had um, uh, FPX, who also I think they lost two games too, if I remember correctly. Maybe they only lost one, but yeah, they, FPX they had... looked really shaky in the group. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And then we have Suning, who looked a bit better in groups because they beat uh, G2 twice, but then G2 even came out with statements that there were nothing special. So for them, it was like it happened to be that way. But none of the teams were utterly dominant and suddenly all make these finals runs just based on the fact that they suddenly find synergy and they have the individual ability to back that synergy up, which is like that any of the top three uh, Chinese teams can just explode like that and just be like, oh, uh, I guess we're playing League of Legends now. We found synergy <laughs> and we already have the mechanical ability to to be at the top level. So yeah, that's incredible. And then on the second point, obviously, like the, the rookie campaigning in, in China. Compared to any other region, that's probably the biggest difference I would have I've seen so far. That even in Korea, you have some rookie campaigns, but they never make it quite like to that extent. You know, they they never like words finalists. They're just phasing phasing out in yeah. in in the quarters, for example, in Delmo last year. Uh, but this year, holy moly! Again, like the rookie campaigning, one thing. Like if you think about it, in EU we have this mindset that hey, we have a rookie, we develop him for a year, and then next year we're gonna look if he's gonna be good as a sophomore. That doesn't happen in in China. That really doesn't happen, and it also used used to not happen in EU. But for some reason, we've kind of adapted this mindset over the last couple of years that rookies have to develop. Like these guys have been playing for three, four years, for sure. Not maybe at the highest level, obviously, because they're just rookies, but they have been playing that game for a long time. So they know the ins and outs. But like in China, they're just being drilled to a different level. And I think that's kind of like the mentality that I, speaks to them. I think it's also like when you look at Suning, I think this is like the, the perfect way to try and uh, incorporate this kind of style where you've got. Obviously, Huan Fang is a rookie that's incredibly mechanically talented individually. Like for anyone that doesn't know his background, he was yeah. he's good friends with Lian, who's uh, IG's old jungler, and uh, he was on IG's youth team training. And then IG ended up selling him to Suning. Big mistake on their part. But then they put him alongside Sordar, who's like super super veteran. Obviously, from the LMS, won multiple LMS titles yeah. on the Flash Wolves. Um, so he's got a veteran alongside him. So he can be the rookie. He, it's like double lifted Chowster kind of thing. He just has to be oh, really God. good with his hands <laughs> and just win the game. Sword Art will do all the shot calling, right? And then on the top side of the map, you've got Bin, another rookie that's incredibly mechanically talented, incredibly good 1v1, like wants to win lane, wants to dominate. Stick him alongside SOFM, who's another veteran that's been playing for years and years and years, that has a ton of experience, been on a ton of teams, like... This is a recipe for success and soon have proven. Mm. Well, actually, I wanted to ask you, Montreal, because you've been flying the flag, advocating for Sooning since literally day one before this tournament even <laughs> started. Um, you are obviously, uh, as of now, the superior Twitter analyst as well, being like pretty much the only person of every single <laughs> stage, the sole person that's been sticking out oh for Sooning. I think it's great. So um, how are you feeling going into this final for them? I mean, even if they don't win it, which again, I feel like going into this final, you might again be alone in the campus thinking that they could beat Damwon. Um, so even if they don't win it, how big of a success do you think this is for this team? I mean, obviously this year has been a phenomenal success for Suning. Um, like I, I was cheering for them back in playoffs. And the reason that I was cheering for them was because we had seen glimmers of this team being exceptional at multiple yeah. steps of the way. Like 
that I keep on referencing this V5 series. I just want to put context on like how important that V5 series was. It was a really important series for just making it to playoffs for both teams. Sooning is the reason that V5 did make it to Worlds. So, and like V5, the team with PP God that had all of the hype earlier on in the year. So it's like, that was a huge turning point for Sooning and that got me well and truly on the hype train. And I could see that this was a team that if things went the right way, that this could continue to snowball. And then across the course of this tournament, they've proven that obviously they can play the style that they need to play, but also that their preparation is exceptional. I think that is the thing that sets this team apart from a lot of the others. It's a similar thing that I've been saying about G2 in previous episodes, that when you look at the way that they prep, when you look at their drafts coming in, I mean, that series against top esports, that was not normal drafting, right? Bringing out the river shed and stuff. That was like tailored strategies that they brought out to take on top esports. And it's, it's just beautiful to watch, honestly. Well, oh Sooning had to <laughs> overcome a JDG and a Top Esports, but now they have to face a damn one who look incredibly scary this year. One yeah. aspect I like to focus on is that Canyon versus SOFM matchup. And this is what both of them had to say about each other after the semifinals. I think both players have their own strengths, but for me, it's more tricky to play up against SOFM, so I think I would feel less pressure playing up against Casa. and moving into the finals, I will try to utilize my strengths and play well with my teammates. I think in terms of the junglers, it really depends on our champion pools. And in terms of the Graves and Nidalee, I think Canyon is really good at those champions. His mastery with those choices, in terms of these two choices, I may not be as good as him, but I think I have a broader champion pool. I definitely agree with SOFM with his assessment when it comes to the two uh, like champion pools, especially when it comes down to it. Because I do think that Canon is insane on, on the meta champions, I guess the main meta champions, which is Lilia, uh, Grace, and Italy. Uh, I do, however, think that the adaptability of that SFM has shown throughout the group stage, throughout the quarters and semis at this point, too, is actually incredible. Like being able to play Javan to Grace is something only the very few can do. It's like me. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's actually so interesting that he has such a perspective like uh, an outside perspective on the matchups and i think that's the incredible part about it that a lot of people they kind of get lost in the meta and they kind of try to keep regurgitating the same champs over and over again trying to perfectionizing them and sometimes you become that good that you understand hey these meta champs are there what can i do to play against them like that is outside of the meta people are not thinking about and i do think that he's the only jungle so far that has shown that kind of adaptability so even if he's worse on the main champions as he says he is He's more valuable, in my opinion. Yeah, I think there's a level of creativity there that shines through. For, for Sooning across the board, it's um, it's something that you don't expect from a Korean team like Damwon. And once again, it comes down to the preparation coming into the series as well. The big concern I have is that Canyon is incredibly intelligent. And whilst SOFM definitely has a very individual style, like he doesn't play like basically anyone else in the tournament, which can be a huge advantage. If Canyon can kind of figure that puzzle out and read that, that can become a very difficult situation. And my question for SOFM is like, how creative can he get actually during the game? Not just creative in terms of picking different things yeah. and playing slightly different from the get-go, but like, okay, we've fallen behind. Canyon's doing this, this, and this. Like, what what can he then do to, to change up the game and, and find his team a way back in? Because that has been the thing 
but Dan One have consistently had over every team. As soon as they get a lead, they just crush. At, like Sooning, not necessarily always the best in the early game. Like they are going to have to find some way of stopping that snowball, and I think a huge amount of that pressure rests on F- SOFM's shoulders to be able to do something about that if Dan One does get the ball rolling. A lot of teams actually don't practice that quite as much as they should. This defensive almost like having to come back in a game style is something that has died out over the years. Like we saw TS kind of uh, bringing it back to a certain extent, but again, um, they didn't have the individual capabilities, I would say, overall to beat someone like Suning at this point in time with the meta that it is. So maybe the style of like trying to come back in a game is like something you have to abandon at this point in time because it's just not worth it. Uh, albeit it's something at words that has always come back to a certain extent. I just don't think that this year is the year where uh, being able to play from behind is as valuable as it used to be. We could scale and outscale someone because teams can legitimately, if they play to the perfection, if they play the right way, they should be able to crush you with a small, even a small leaf yeah. or one or two K. Mm. Well, how I mean, much... Dan one versus G two final game kind of proves that, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, if God. you give them the chance, they will crush you. <laughs> I'm getting PTSD from listening to that. Oh, um, <laughs> but yeah, how, I guess like you said that SFM does have a lot of pressure on him. But how? I guess how much of this matchup do you guys think will rely on that Canyon versus SOFM? Or is it that maybe one of them can change up the, the game a little bit by putting more resources elsewhere? Or is it like Canyon and SOFM both have to have like the games of their lives or that their team is going to be in a deficit? Canyon can play however he wants to. He could probably run it down a bit. <laughs> and I don't think it has that much of an impact. I think SOFM has to carry for Sunin to become like a contending team in that finance. What do you think? I think it it depends on Bin and Angel. Like if Bin and Angel are playing at the level that they were against top esports, like SOFM can breathe out a little bit. But Angel has not been the most consistent player this tournament. He has leveled up towards the later stages of the tournament, which is really good news for Suning. Um, But Angel has always been kind of a feast or famine player where like some games he'll just be exceptionally quiet and not a lot happening. And then other games, it's seemingly at random, he'll just have like this unbelievable game where he just absolutely dominates 1v9 so depending on the form that angel shows like if he is having a quiet series sofm is going to have a lot of pressure on him to make sure that angel isn't falling behind against showmaker because as we've repeatedly said now like showmaker is one of the players that is going to punish if you're not playing up to par Uh, and the same can be said for nuggery in the top lane although i will say i think Nuguri is probably better in the team fights, but I think Bin in the 1v1 probably has Nuguri's number. Mm. Nuguri has definitely taken a step back. I don't see him as dominant as I saw him. I, I thought he was basically before Words even started. I think yeah, Showmaker I has kind of really established himself as the main guy on that team. I don't think anyone else comes close in terms of mechanical ability over their peers that Showmaker has. Because, I mean, Showmaker even against Caps. Like when he saw this, this, the fight in River when there was a TF side situation. And he dodged, um, well, he, he dodged Silas chain like uh, STF while he was in the corner. He had nowhere to go, that kind of stuff. Like only he can do, I feel. And I, I think no other player on either team is actually on that level right now. Mm. Well, that brings us to the prediction part, uh, which we do every week. So this is the last game at Worlds. I have a sneaky feeling what Munchables is going to go for. <laughs> so I'll come to you first. Amazing. What do you think the outcome will be and why? Uh, 3-0, that one. Uh, oh. zero. <laughs> it's a 3-0 it's it's gonna be it's not gonna be fun i i don't feel it's gonna be fun i 
my prediction comes comes from the point that I do think that Damon is the stronger team, but it's also because of the um, ability to actually shut down opponents and not get, allowing them to play out their strengths. And I do think that right now, Showmaker is a lot better than Angel. I think Bin Nuguri has obviously been favored, but I do think that SFM Canyon matchup is, is while it is SFM favored because of the creativity, it's definitely not favored for the team. That's why I think they will they will shrink and honestly lose in the finals in every single game because they will won't be able to utilize their creativity and utilize the ability to create early game leads against someone like that one. Munchables, mm. you're definitely going to go the other way, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going for Zuni. I do think that it's going to be 3-2. I think this is going to be... Ah, uh, the 3-2. Uh, I'll go for the 3-2. Like, like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it here. Down one of the favorites. Like, we all know down one of the favorites. Look at this team. They're, they're like machines. They were they sent from the future to play League of Legends in 2020, as far as I can tell. But Sooning, that's the people's vote, right? They're, they're, <laughs> they're this team of, like peppy upstarts that are here to upset the apple cart and i i desperately want this team to be able to prove that they've shown that their prep is exceptional and damwon has been a fairly one-dimensional team across the course of this tournament so i think with some creative drafts with some creative in-game play as well i think sooning can turn this into a proper series and i think that they could win it at the end of the day mm, well amazing do you see that a world i was gonna say do you see a world where sooning have a win condition um over damwon yeah, I mean, as of him, if he legitimately just goes to the next step, because right now what you have to think is like, and this is the, the beauty, I guess, of a week break that you have in between, is the fact that, hey, he's, you looked at what he played, right, in in the in the semis. He, he played the river shen a bit, so w w now Damon is thinking, hey, he picked this into this, like, what are we going to do against that if we do, if he, they, he picks yeah. this again, like, so it keeps on going, so he has to get ready for the next step, which is, how do I counter the counter for me? And I think it's like, how deep that, does the rabbit hole yeah. go? <laughs> and that's actually the, really the beauty of, of a, even a, even a best yeah. of five in its microcosm that like this is the thought process behind it, that sometimes you have to take risks and you're like, okay, I could throw this at them, see what they do, how, see how they react. And then I would adapt next game. And I think that's what he has to do. If he is able to make that step happen, yeah, he's they're going to be fine. But that's the only win condition I can see. And I think that's going to carry them for one or two games. But in my my gut tells me, and my brain also tells me that it's not going to carry him for three games and all. It is our last hot take of the week, so feel free to make this one as spicy as you want. Uh, this is the one you're going to be going out on um, about the final. So yeah, any hot takes for what's going to happen in the final? Um, I think your leeson one didn't quite come true. Amazing, nor did the uh, target ban caps. Uh, if I remember uh, from last week, yeah, so. you really trolled. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, any hot takes? Um, I, think, I think the take that I'll give is that Bin is going to absolutely dumpster Nuggery. Nuggery is going to be exposed to this lane. Nuggery is not this 1v1 god that everyone's talking about. He's pretty good on Kennen because Kennen's really easy to just press R on a flank. But when it wow. comes to the 1v1, man, Bin is going to Bin's going to put him in the trash. It's that simple. Oh, God. That, that is that's spicy. Pretty, yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's harsh. That's harsh. Dr. his last year, man. We will see... We will see River Shen, River Shen be banned in four or five, one of the games at least. And he's going to be picked <laughs> by Canyon. No, he's going to be picked up by Canyon once. That's what I'm feeling. What, you I think, think he's, really? I, I think there's going to be there's going to be a game where Grace is going to be open and someone's going to be like, "Hey, I'm going to pick Shen into it," and that's what's going to happen. I think Canyon will, will make that happen. 
I mean, I, I'd like, I kind of, I'm interested to see what, how he plays that one. If, if Canyon's the one that's going to pick the Shen. Um, but yeah, thanks so much, guys. Uh, some great hot takes. And yeah, we've got one game left. So the next time uh, the audience sees and hears hear us, it's going to be after the finals. Um, so one of you is going to be really happy or really sad. I feel like that's going to be Munchables, who's either going to be extremely happy or extremely sad. But um, I feel anyway. like I'm more emotionally <laughs> invested in this yeah, <laughs> I feel like that too. But, um, but we shall see. Anyway, that is all from us. Thanks so much for joining me again. And thanks to everyone for watching and listening at home. Don't forget to check out the Deserto <laughs> YouTube channel if you've enjoyed the show and subscribe for more League of Legends content.